This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Let me just say this. I'd like to take a minute to pray for the new situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, I, I do believe that the Bible tells us to pray for those that are in authority. We have a new president uh, and uh, uh, we will have him choosing and selecting a new cabinet. I believe there will be new parliamentary uh, people as well coming up soon. And uh, this is a new opportunity for the nation of Zimbabwe. Uh, So we want to make sure that we don't miss the opportunity. And I know this, that we can very easily miss the opportunity because uh, we did once before. We all rejoice, but we forget that, you know, it takes our effort, every one of us, to seize the opportunity. This is not a time to relax. In fact, if anything, this is a time to be more diligent. This is a time for those of you that have voice and influence and positions and relationships to exert your influence for the good of the nation. Not selfishly, not for you to get your deal. And you may get a deal because of friendships. Those things happen. But what I'm saying is, if you get blessed and everybody else doesn't, we've gone right back into what we had before. We want to avoid that. We want to say, hey, I want what's right and transparent and good for everyone, not just for me. Amen? So let's take a minute and let's pray for our president. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand and do that. Let's all stand and let's just pray for our, our new president, Emerson Dibingwa Manangagwa. We had ED. We had RG. Now we have ED. So uh, with all due respect, uh, Father, we come before you. We believe that you raise one and lower another. We believe that the, hand of the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. You direct him where you will. And Father, we thank you for the relief that we feel in our nation at this time. Father, we thank you for the, the sense of unity that we felt in the streets over the last two weeks as people celebrated the uh, removal of that which had become corrupted. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would preserve our nation now and you would preserve the uh, opportunity that you've, we believe you've helped create here. And that, Father, that the gravity of the office, the gravity of the responsibility would fall upon our president, Emerson Manangagwa. And that, Father, he would sense that this is not something that is for him or for a party. Father, there is a party that is ruling now, but, Father, this is for a nation, a divided nation, a nation that has not been unified. And Father, that for all Zimbabweans, of all races, of all tribes, of all colors, Father, of all religious persuasions, Father, he is the president of us all. And so, Father, we ask that you would cause that grace to come upon him, a grace that he would bear this office in honor of the king. Father, he's been made king in this nation, president. But, Father, there is a king of kings, a president of presidents, and we know that that's you, Lord. So, Father, we ask that there would be a shift in the heavenlies, 
And that, Father, that that which we see on earth is a result of the prayers of the saints who have appealed to heaven. And Father, we are deeply, deeply grateful. We know this is the timing. Father, we ask, Lord, that as the nations around us are struggling, as we see South Africa devolving, that, Father, you would raise Zimbabwe as a great light to the continent of Africa, that, Father, we would become the nation that honors its laws, the nation that honors each other, a nation of people that serve one another, think of others first, and that we're willing to build on great foundations, the foundations of the prayers of your saints. Father, we ask now that you would grace this great land and grace our president and grace his cabinet and that they would be law-abiding, operating in wisdom, and caring for us, the people of the land. Now, Father, we will hold them accountable. We will not shrink back. We will never let our voice not be heard again. Father, we promise you that we will not shrink back this time. We will not be intimidated. But, Father, we will honor and give our leaders opportunity to lead us wisely in Jesus' name. If you say that, if you agree with that, just say amen. amen. And uh, why don't you just give somebody a big hug and say welcome to a new Zimbabwe, okay? And, then, and go ahead and take your seats. <laughs> amen. Well, you know, I struggled with the message this morning. I thought, well, Lord, what do I preach? And I, I, as I talked to the Lord and the Lord was speaking to me, uh, uh, I have a title of my message. It's called Trouble is Coming. <laughs> the title of my message is Trouble is Coming. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, my wife and Dr. Joshua, I remember, I don't know if you remember Dr. Joshua, but he was a chiropractor that was here, and he lived in our cottage in the back of our house, and uh, they came to speak to me, and they said, hey, we want to get some chickens. Now, I want you to know something. I didn't really want any chickens running around in my yard, uh, but I finally gave in because they convinced me of the benefit of having healthy eggs for my breakfast, and uh, we were on a real health kick then. We still are pretty much, but, uh, you know, against my better judgment, I gave permission to have chickens in my yard. Uh, about a month after we bought a few chickens, we had chickens everywhere. And these chickens never slept. I, I don't know what kind of chickens they were, but they, they, they didn't sleep. And all night they'd cackle, all night long. And then there was a rooster. I don't know how they got a rooster, but this thing... Its clock didn't work, I promise you. This thing crowed at every hour of the night. I mean, you know, it was ridiculous. This, you know, uh, and I'm not even sure. We fed these things, and I'm not sure that, I think those were pretty expensive eggs by the time we got done, okay? I don't think they produced that many eggs. But there's another aspect about chickens that I noticed, and that was during the rainy season, about this time of the year, when the storms would come, the mama hen would fluff out her little wings and these little chicks would run up underneath her wings. And I was amazed at this sight. In fact, sometimes i just go out to see these little chicks and, you know, this mother hen would just brood over her chicks, put her wings over her chicks. 
and uh, the ticks would have protection from the storm by going under the wings of their mother. It reminded me of the Christian life. As Christians, we are going to have storms in our lives. How are we going to react during these times of trouble? How are we going to deal with the troubles and the storms when they come? And they are coming. The Bible says all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, I believe that we have to run to God. Like those chicks run to their mother, we can run and go under the shadow of the Almighty. The 20th Psalm, and I'm going to have you turn there this morning, Psalm 20. And by the way, I'm not going to put any overheads up today because uh, we're going to read our Bibles today. So Psalm 20, uh, it's a story, Psalm 20 is a a psalm that David pens. It's a prayer that he wrote for Israel to pray for him when he goes to battle, when he's in battle. And you'll see in this psalm that David puts his trust in God for protection in the day of trouble because he knew that God was the one who could give him the victory. Christians should put their trust in God for protection in the day of trouble because it's God who gives us the victory. So Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 9 says, May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all of your tithes and offerings, all of your sacrifices, and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all of your requests. Now, this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary and the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. God, or the the Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. Now, If you want to do a little bit of homework, you can read Psalm 21, because Psalm 20 is David's prayer for going into battle, before the battle, and going into the battle. Psalm 21 is his prayer after the battle, after the victory, after he's won. And it's a fantastic prayer. It's amazing. It's evident throughout the history of the Bible that David fought and won many battles. I mean, there's there's whole books written about David's conquests. And the reason for those victories was that David was a man who sought after God. The Bible says he was a man after God's heart. He sought God for those victories. And throughout the Psalms, there are prayers written by David asking for and seeking support, seeking deliverance, seeking help, from God. See, 
David knew how to react. David knew what to do. When things went well with David, he sought the Lord. When things went bad with David, he sought the Lord. There was a time at Ziklag when the men that he was leading wanted to stone him. I think of our vice president being removed from his office and wanting to be stoned. And then within a week, everything turned around. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've heard that he is a born-again believer. I pray so. But I pray that he's not just in name only, but that he actually lets God lead him. But I, I would think that that would be a time to encourage yourself in the Lord. But as Christians, as believers, sometimes we fail to encourage ourselves in the Lord. David knew where to run. He was the one who ran into the strong tower. He said, you are my shield. You are my bulwark. He says, I hide myself under your pinions, under your wings. He knew who God was. He knew how to cry out to God during his day of trouble. Everyone in this nation and everyone in this building has seen their share of pain and heartache or their day of trouble. Every one of us. And once again, I have a question. How are you going to react in the future when your hard times come again? And you say, Pastor, you can't be saying this right after such a great victory. I have news for you. After every great victory comes a great counterattack by your enemy. And if you're not prepared for it, you're going to get blindsided. I'm giving you a warning that we are in a season of great blessing, great opportunity, and with it comes many adversaries. The Apostle Paul, and, and, and 20, I'm going to give you part of the word for next year, but the Apostle Paul told the church to pray for him, he says, because an effectual door of ministry had been opened to him. Well, this year, this, which has already started on the Hebrew calendar, is the year of open doors. But the Bible says about those doors, he says, there are many open doors of ministry, many open doors open for us, but there are many adversaries. Anytime there's an open door, there's an adversary that doesn't want you to go through that door. Especially if you go through it righteously. And we need righteousness to be exalted in this nation. So we still have some battles to fight, and there may be some days of trepidation ahead. And here's what happens. When we have these days of trepidation, when we have these days where we are having to face trouble, here's what happens to many Christians and to most people. Many people just want to give up. There are many who want to blame God. Maybe that's you today. There are many who want to try something other than God. And this is not how the Bible tells us to react during these times. So in the verses that we just read, the Bible identifies how we are to react in the day of trouble. So I have three points today. The first one is, in the day of trouble... Believers need to rely on God's protection. There is protection, and we can rely on God's protection. We're going to find these in the first four verses, but I think of coming to this nation in 1979, when the nation was then Rhodesia, 
I go back to my early days and I remember driving through the countryside, ministering to many European farmers. And uh, I'll never forget the sense I had. I became very close to the Holy Spirit during that time in my life. I prayed in tongues a lot. And I would hear stories of farmers and people and children and fellow Zimbabweans that had been blown up in landmines and ambushed. and So there was a degree of concern for my life. And I'll never forget that I began to do some work with the chaplaincy at that time. They didn't have enough chaplains, and so I said I would help. And that meant that I would go to people's homes and tell them of a deceased son or daughter or husband. And uh, it was not a pleasant job. But it often meant I had to go to places where they were called hot areas, areas where the war was raging, and my life could have been in, in, in danger. So I'll never forget that one of the chaplains came to me, and he gave me a pistol. He says, you should probably take this with you. It was a uh, 38 Special. And I thought, so I took it, and then I had this feeling on the inside of me. It was really the strangest feeling because every time I would go up until then, I was praying, saying, God, would you protect me? And now I have a weapon to protect myself. And I felt a double-mindedness. Now, is God going to protect me or am I going to protect myself? I'm not here on a mission for war. I'm not here on a mission for the nation. I'm here on a mission for the kingdom. So can God protect his own? I kept that gun with me for two weeks. Uh, and I remember two, two trips in particular that I had it under the seat of my car. It would have done me no good there if anything had happened, let me tell you. And I realized that. And at the end of those two weeks, I took the, the, the pistol, I put it in the cupboard of my, with, my, with my underwear, and I never used that gun again. Because I realized that I had protection from God from God. And I had to put my trust in God. Look at verse 1 with me again. In verse 1, it says, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Uh, we need to ask God to defend us. The word that King David used here for defend is the Hebrew word that actually means to make lofty or I like the word to make inaccessible. You see, the enemy is active and he wants to destroy the plan of God in your life. Jesus declared that the thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy, but that he came that we might have life and life abundantly. When your day of trouble comes, the devil will attack your mind Many times he'll put thoughts, and these thoughts will rise up, and they'll be against what God says. They'll be against the plan that God has for you. It's in this time that you need to draw your attention towards God, towards his word, and to make, ask him to make you inaccessible, to set you in the place that the devil cannot attack you. One of the things that's happening in my heart is that I'm beginning to see myself hidden in Christ. 
I'm beginning to have revelation on the idea that it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who lives in me. I'm beginning to see that I'm not nearly as important in your life as a pastor as Christ is. I have always known that, but the revelation has become palpable to me. I'm beginning to understand that if whatever I do, I do by my flesh, the best of the flesh is still the flesh. That it takes Christ. I also know this, that we all, even pastors, go through days of trouble. And that our source has to be finding ourselves running to God, seeking him, and made inaccessible to the attacks of the enemy. Verse 2 says, May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. I, I, I think that this simply means that we need to ask for help. We need to, as believers, ask for help. Uh, you know, I, I love working with young people. And uh, the young people of our world need stability. They need God's guidance. They, 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 they need this assurance from God. Uh, many are also looking forward to the time that they become self-reliant. I, I remember having those thoughts when I was growing up. I remember telling my parents, I can't wait to be on my own. I can't wait to be free. <laughs> that freedom. <laughs> you know, I remember all my children and uh, some of their college friends, especially as college uh, students, you know, they go through a season or they go through a time where they struggle. Uh, and uh, they, sometimes I didn't know that they were struggling. I only found out later that they were struggling. Uh, but then I'd ask them, I'd say, you know, or I'd ask their friends, I'd say, how come you never asked your parents to help you? Or I'd say, how come you didn't call me? How, why didn't you ask me to help you? And, and more likely than not, they'd say, no, no, I, 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 I need to learn to be on my own. I don't need their help. And, you know, this mindset of self-reliance, and I think it's admirable in some situations, but it can be dangerous at times. And I think in Zimbabwe we need to look at ourselves because I think that we've adopted this attitude of self-reliance. So self-centered, self-oriented, self-made. And this can be especially dangerous in the Christian life because you cannot live the Christian life without God's help. It doesn't matter how strong you may be. It doesn't matter how popular you are, how rich you are. You and I need God's help every day. Amen. Every day. Look at verse 3. May he remember all of your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. We need to ask God to remember you. You know, uh, I, I was in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I'll never forget this. I was invited to speak to a group of pastors that I'd never met. Uh, one pastor I'd bumped into, and he said, ah, come down. And he gave me the name of the church as something, you know, Trinity Church or something. Anyway, uh, and I kind of knew the area, but it was an unfamiliar area of the city, and I Drove over there confident that I could find my way because, I mean, you know, it's on. I knew the street. And I get there, 
And as I drive down the street, I don't have a street address. I just have a street, a church name. And then there's uh, three churches that have the word Trinity in them on the same block. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Holy Trinity, something, you know, Trinity, and then just plain Trinity. Church of the Trinity, and then Trinity. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So I kind of guessed, and I thought, oh, yeah, it had to be this one. You know, that looked like the kind of church I belong to. And so I walked into the office area, and I said, uh, I'm here for the meeting. The secretary says, who are you? I said, I'm Pastor Tom Duchelle from Zimbabwe. Yeah, well, who are you? What meeting? The pastor's meeting? Sir, there's no pastor's meeting here. Pastor, we're sorry. There's no. Oh, <laughs> uh, I had the wrong church. I had the wrong church because I didn't remember the name of the church. I couldn't remember where I was going. I could, I, you know, uh, eventually I called the pastor. I told him where I was. He directed me to the correct Trinity Church. And uh, here's what I know. Every one of us gets busy. Every one of us forgets things. And it's easy to think that that's just how life is. But I want you to know that God will never forget you. God never forgets anything about you. God neither, neither slumbers nor does he sleep. And, he, and, 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 and here David says, remember me. Let me tell you something. God remembers everything about you. But he wants us to call to remember. Remember what I've done. I'll tell you what, I like to sometimes call up the good things I've done. I don't always like to talk about my bad things. I have many. And I do confess my sins. But I like to say, God, you know what? I did this right. I've done this well. I've been a faithful tither. I've been, a, I've been, I've, I've been faithful as a pastor. I've been, I, like, I like reminding God. I said, remember me. Remember me. If nothing else, for the good things I've done. And I hope you forget the bad things. Jesus encouraged us in Matthew 28, 20. He says, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. You see, I want you to understand, God loves every person in this building. God loves every person in this nation. And he'll never forget you. He'll never forget you. Verse number four says, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. So I think here's where we just have to ask God to answer us. Uh, you know, the world has developed so much technology these days. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed sometimes. Twitter and, you know, the, uh, I mean, I can't even, I can't even describe it all. I'm a, I'm a digital I'm migrating to the digital world, you know, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant. But, uh, you know, telephones, cell phones, cordless phones, uh, data, uh, high-speed internet, web cameras. I mean, all the things that, that, that are happening today. And, and, and that's just the beginning. It's the thin edge of the wedge of where we're going. But here's what we know. And we've seen it happen here. Has your system ever gone down? These things can fail in a moment. But I have news for you. In the middle of the night, when no one is around, you can call upon God. 
He'll answer you. If you're underground in a mine where nothing's working, you're connected to God. He'll answer you in the grocery store. He'll answer you on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro where there's no signal. God will answer you wherever you are. And this simple prayer that David prayed is something I think that you and I need to adapt and put into our prayer life in order to get the protection that we need in our day of trouble. In our day of trouble. The second point I want to make today is that in the day of trouble, Christians must continue to trust God. We have to continue to trust God. This is verses 5 through 7. You know, the concept of trusting God is what gave Israel problems throughout their whole existence. It's, a, it's an amazing story to watch Israel. It seems as though when things got really tough, they call out to God. And then just as soon as they get a breakthrough, they didn't believe God could do anything. I mean, God leads them through the Red Sea. He kills the Egyptian army, leaves the Egyptian army behind him. And the next three days, they're complaining about no water, complaining about no food. They're just murmuring and complaining. And it's like, I mean, you've just seen the biggest miracle in the whole world. This is my concern for Zimbabwe at this time and for Zimbabweans. Many Zimbabweans are doing the same today. Many are placing their trust in something other than God or things other than God. For example, in the past few years, many are trusting in prophets to fulfill their desires. You know, I, I listen to the testimonies where people talk about what the prophet has done. And I'm amazed at the amount of trust we put in, that we place in something as flimsy as having the prophet guess their problem. But this verse right here, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I see in our nation that drug abuse and alcohol abuse is on the rise. I don't know if you were in the streets during the coup that was not a coup, celebrations. <laughs> but what I noticed, I, I, I didn't actually go out into the streets very much, but I went to a lunch, and then as I was on my way home, the crowds were coming out of the city, and I, and I ran into a bunch of them, and they had open carry brandy and open carry uh, uh, scotch and bourbon, and, were, <laughs> and they were having a real party. And there were no police to enforce it. And thank God nobody got injured. Nobody got hurt. There was no looting. Thank God it was just mild-mannered Zimbabweans drunk. I mean, uh... <laughs> but those are not good indicators for our nation. Your children or our children are being inundated with drugs. Amen. Drugs were coming into this country, and we know that they were coming in under the guise of somebody that was corrupt. We knew that. We all knew that. Now, I hope we clean that stuff up. 
But it's not just in this country, it's around the world. There's a book entitled Understanding Today's Youth Culture by a guy named Walter Mueller. And he, he, he has statistics, because Americans have statistics about everything. They have statistics about statistics. <laughs> but he reveals that there are 42% of high school seniors are reported in the United States of America as using illicit drugs in the last year. 42%. 29% of eighth graders have tried illicit drugs. And then he talks about teenage drinking. 64.2% of high school seniors have gotten drunk at least once. And 40% of 10th graders had a drink within the last month. Now, here's what I want to say. We have to begin to address social issues. Alcohol, drugs are becoming a real problem around the world. Some are using these things to drown their sorrows. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we must remember the name of the Lord our God and trust in him. Amen? I hear, I hear a lot of people say this, if I could just win the lottery, my problems would be over. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. I see a lot of you working extra hours. I've seen some people neglect their families, even travel and leave the country to make enough money to live here. Maybe for the right reasons, but often for the wrong reasons. So they can get a new car or the things that they make them feel successful. But David said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we remember the name of our Lord, our God. You know, let me just say something about stuff. I believe in a message of prosperity. I believe God wants to prosper us. But prosperity cannot always be measured in stuff. You know, I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff that are going to go to prison. <laughs> if what's in the newspaper is any indication. It's not about the stuff, guys. The Bible is very, very clear. It says that James warns, he says, who thinking that godliness is great gain. No, godliness is not great gain. You don't show your godliness, you don't show how powerful you are in God by how much you have. What happens is, when you have God, you have everything, and he adds all the things you need to you. In fact, the Bible says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so, what I desire for our church, what I desire for you is to learn how to be content in God. Paul says, I've learned to be abased and to abound. I'm sure he said somewhere in there, I prefer abounding. But he says, but in this I've learned to be content. See, when you're content in God, I, I've been through seasons where, you know, I, I know everybody thinks, oh, look how well off he is. And, and I, I have to say, I am blessed. But you didn't see the first 25 years of ministry. You didn't see when my wife and I didn't have anything. You didn't see when we rejoiced when somebody in the church helped buy shoes for our kids to go to school with. You know, and I don't think you think that happened. Because all you see is this. Oh, look at how powerful, look how prosperous. 
But the, the message of prosperity, I don't want you to think that it's this. I want you to think and I want you to understand that it's a process. And that the contentment in God, the peace that God gives, is a lot more important than the stuff. I'm concerned that now that there's a new president, many will begin to put their trust in a man or back in a government to solve our problems. But my question is, are we going to be the people of the kingdom and really put our trust in God? We have a currency today that says, in God we trust on it. Do we really trust in God or do we trust in the almighty dollar? We can say in God we trust all we want. We can even pray prayers in Parliament. We can have all kinds of dedicatory prayers. But are we really trusting God? Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Why didn't David trust in chariots? Why didn't he trust in horses? Should we trust in material possessions or things other than God? You know, David answers these questions in here in, 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 in stanzas 5 and 6. Let's read verses 5 and 6. He says, may we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his, anointing, his anointed he answers him from his heavenly sanctuary in the victorious power of his right hand. Whew. See, David had this revelation. David had such a relationship with God. He says, hey, I don't want victory unless it comes from God. In fact, I'm going to set myself up to, I won't take any credit when I get the victory, but I'll know that it was God. And then we see it time and time again. David demonstrates this. He demonstrates it with Goliath. King Saul puts his armor on him and he says, no, I can't do this. He says, but I'll trust my God. Runs down and gets four smooth stones out of a riverbed and a slingshot and takes down the biggest giant of the Philistine army. Even with Saul and David, the battle that he had there, the troubled times with Saul, Saul's throwing spears at him. And what does David do? David has a chance to kill him. Paul, Saul comes into the, 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 the cave where David's at, and his men are saying, get him, get him, stab him, kill him, it, it's your time. He goes over and he cuts off the corner of his tunic. And it smites him in his heart. He says, I, don't, I dare not touch God's anointed. He waited for God to bring the victory. But it was right there in his hand. Sometimes you can take the victory and lose the war. Let God bring your victories. David knew what to do when he was surrounded by the enemy. He trusted in God, and God delivered him. I'm sure that many of you have troubles. You have problems that seem overwhelming. I want to encourage you today by telling you, trust God. Trust him. Talk to some Christians who have been believers for many years. Listen to their stories of God's salvation in their life. 
And I want you to know, I promise you, they're going to tell you, trust God. Trust God. Christians should trust God because he hears our prayers. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, I just love this. He says, now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Do not doubt the power of prayer. This action we have Charles Henderson, what's the guy's name? Henderson, what's his first name? Robert. Robert Henderson is coming. Yeah, it's fantastic. Robert Henderson will be here and he's going to help us craft the kind of prayers that can change your life. See, our prayers are powerful, but we need to somehow translate that into victories, amen? Earlier this year, I had an opportunity to visit a Buddhist temple in Johannesburg. I went there. There was a business partner that was, uh, that, that there's, a, there's a guy that does some business down there that I'm, I'm mentoring and helping, and he had a friend. He's Buddhist, and so we went to his offices, and little did I know, I thought it was the, t- the Buddhist temple. I thought, ooh. Okay. Well, it's not, the, the temple is just a room in the back of his offices, and uh, I thought it would be a large structure, uh, but they had this meeting room behind the office. As I walked in, the people greeted me, and they made me feel very welcome. In fact, my thought was, wow, these people are more friendly than some of the churches I've been to. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. And uh, so I sat down, and I began, and I sat at the very back, and I began to start to observe what was going on, and uh, then I noticed that... Uh, you know, there were candles that were lit, and uh, there was this CD player playing chants and music and kind of, you know. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the door greeter came, and he shut the doors, and he bolted the doors. I started looking for a window to get out of there because <laughs> it felt a little strange, you know, a little bit crazy. And then the regular attendees, the people that attend there, began to get up, and they'd step, and they'd kneel down three times before this statue. And then my thought... You know, it, it really troubled me, but I, I thought, man, I, if I ever got in trouble, I sure wouldn't want to be bowing down to something I could put in my pocket. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt. Uh, you know, why would I want to bow down to this? See, we have a God in heaven, the one true God. He can't be fashioned and made or bought or purchased or put into your pocket. There's many verses in the Bible that validate God's attentiveness. That validate that God hears us when we pray. I think one of my favorite is in Isaiah 59 verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. I love that verse. God's arm is not short. His hand is not short. He can save and he can hear. God hears you the very first time you pray. In order for you and I to have protection in the day of trouble, not only must we rely on God's protection and continue to trust God, but, my last point, in the day of trouble, Christians must remember God's promise of victory. Look at verses 8 and 9. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, Give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. You know, I don't like to lose. I think my kids will tell you, I'm not a good loser. I mean, even when they're little, we'd play games and I'd have to win. (laughs) 
my wife would say, let them win. I said, no, they didn't win. <laughs> Just let them win. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Even now, you know, if we'll go out and play on the basketball court, I'm a bad loser. I'm sorry. I just don't like to, I don't like to lose, you know? Unfortunately, I think my son's just like me. But I don't think it's a bad trait. But I'm not sure anybody likes to lose. Do you know anybody that likes to lose? How many professional athletes do you know that will go out and say, hey, to the media, well, we're just going to play to lose tonight's game. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work very well. You see, that athlete wouldn't be on the team very long if he was out to lose. Yet, when I read the word of God, I find out that I'm on the winning team. We rise up and our enemies fall. I love that idea. I love it. God promises that we will stand in verse 8. It's so comforting to know that even though there's trouble all around, you and I will stand. Even though your enemies will fall, you will stand. And having done all to stand, we stand. Let me conclude. This is one of my favorite stories. And when we go to Israel, there's a hotel there. It's called the American Hotel. And uh, there's actual news clippings of this story of what happened on the billboard. And uh, a man named Horatio Spaford. He was a great Christian man, but he's a man who knew about troubles. He knew about sorrow. He had lost his only son, four years old, to pneumonia. And he lost part of his life savings in the big Chicago fire. When he started to get his life turned around, someone told him to go to England to hear a preacher, a preacher in a revival there. There was a great revival on in England. And so he decided to take his family and go to this revival in England. So he got tickets to take a ship with his family. But at the last second, someone told him that he needed to stay an extra day to clean up what the fires in Chicago had destroyed. And he had some paperwork and things he had to do. So he stayed and sent his family on ahead of him to England. On the way, the ship his family was on collided with another ship. And he lost his three daughters at sea. But he found true comfort with the Lord. On his way to England to be with his wife, he told the captain to let him know the place in the ocean where his daughters had died. And after he saw the place in the sea where his daughters had died, he went to his room and he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul.
Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.